Welcome to the Faithful Leader Podcast. I'm Dr. Megan Weinkoff, and this is a show for leaders in the trenches. Together, we'll explore the stories of those who have faced the fires of hell and emerged with the spirit unbroken, fighting to stay joyful and grateful. Whether you're a seasoned leader or just starting your journey, the Faithful Leader Show inspires, guides, and reminds you that you're never alone. Together, let's forge a path to compassionate and courageous faithful leadership. Today, we have one of my very good friends, Jennifer Owens, with us. So years ago, Jennifer Owens stepped into my living room as I was having this Bible study. I think I had it for, what, five years and every single week. And maybe sometimes, you know, five people would come and then 10 people and then two. And I and it really just was honestly like faithful to the Lord and, and him asking me to do it. And Jennifer walks in and it was through, <laughs> I think it was through a uh, Propel Women, which was, which was really awesome. And we just connected, you know, immediately. And she's been in my life ever since. We've been through so many different seasons together. One precious season was a time where we could sit at coffee tables uh, and just really discuss like what the Lord was doing in our lives and and visions for where he had us going and knowing that we had to soak up those moments. And I just, I cherish every conversation with this woman of, of faith. She is a leader and she is wise. And so I can't wait for you to hear what she has to say today. So Jennifer, welcome to the show. Is there anything else you want to add? I love you. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I'm very proud of the fact that I'm a hospice social worker um, by profession and I help people reach end of life. Um, I think that's a tremendous privilege to help people be ushered in. And that's a wonderful mm-hmm. thing. Um, or at least resolve things that, you know, they um, might not have been able to resolve. Um, so um, I take good, uh, I, I take that as a calling. Um, I, I don't take it lightly. Um, on other trades, I've been a chaplain, but I'm very proud to have been a social worker for 27 years. And it's offered me the opportunity to meet so many different people and to engage in conversation and healing. So I've appreciated that. It's amazing. Well, let's jump into into it today. Uh, I know that you take people through so many different challenges, you know, in life, as as you just described. And I would love for you to talk about maybe a challenge that you faced as a leader. And how did you maintain joy and gratitude through that time of suffering and even bring up you know, what we've been talking about, even with the, the threshing floor and just how the Lord oh. is with us through every single moment. <laughs> oh, as a complex issue, Megan. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I don't know. Like, so for challenge for me has um, been on several different fields. Um, one of them has been, you know, I think one of the hardest probably has been um, divorce and going through that and actually seeing your soul come unmended from another person when God has brought two people together and then being able to deal with grief and sorrow and, you know, just being able to kind of manage that. And, and, you know, that was, that was really, really hard for me. Um, And I didn't really expect to go there, but I don't know. I think that um, 
you know, divorce was so hard because um, sorrow and grief is not something that I think a lot of people deal with, especially leaders. And I think um, sometimes it's just easier to pretend it doesn't exist or to numb out and um, kind of turn another way and get more involved in something else. And I think um, for me, um, I was doing several things at the time. I was a professor at a um, local college um, and I had done it for several years and um, really enjoyed what I did. Um, And so being able to kind of still navigate being a professor, being a school social worker, and then dealing with a you know, divorce, impending divorce was really hard. So um, I I just really went deep. That's when I really started like my leadership journey in terms of going deep and not running away from things. And I decided, okay, we're going to face this grief head on. <laughs> and this was a challenge for me. Um, and I think the challenge was just being able to say, have your way, God, even in this, you know, you know, what, you know, and I I felt like I had done some things not right. And that's why this marriage was ending. So I I got into full repentance and confession mode. And a lot of healing actually came out of it. So I was really grateful for that. Um, Grateful for, you know, God taking me through the grief and the sorrow um, in a very unconventional way. I mean, I I literally felt it all. I felt the tearing apart in my soul. Um, I felt um, you know, God literally taking me through deep, deep sorrow. And for a minute there, because it was on a Friday night, I thought about Jesus and I thought about what he went through, you know, on Good Friday for us and how, you know, that whole weekend, it seems I saw all I could do was just grieve. Um, so that was, uh, whew, that was, I didn't expect that, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, um, that was really, really hard. But at the same time, I went later on, I read, um, a good book called the gift of grief by Matthew. Um, I think it's Kurt Horowitz or something like Matthew. He's a rabbi and he talked about, um, you know, just Batul is a, a grief term that, that people actually go through when they're going through deep sorrow and they choose to face it. And um, what a wonderful healing process it could be when you actually face your fears, you face your sorrow, you face your grief and your pain. And I think, you know, that's probably one of the hardest things I can truly say I've been through in my life. How did you find joy and gratitude and what did that look like for you in, in that process or any other challenges? You mean after that, how did I find it? I think my process was um, being brave enough to go through it. Um, Facing it gave me a lot of joy Um, because once I released it, I mean, I released it and I was ready to, you know, like get up and go again. And I was a new person actually because I faced it. I felt um, less burdened, less heavy, um, I felt like, wow, maybe this is this is a gift, you know, after I read the book by Matthew and I went, oh, my gosh, you know, get, grief is a gift because if you learn how to get through it, then you understand and know and you can cope better to help other people cope better. I feel like that's exactly what I'm doing now in my profession. Um, and I think I've been called to that. And, you know, it's so funny because when I was little, I would always say stuff like, why am I always crying? Or why, 
Am um, I always carrying somebody's stuff or why am I always feeling like I'm going through? And I think now it kind of makes sense. <laughs> you know, it's like full circle. You you realize it after a while. Gosh, that's so beautiful. I love I love you. And I love how vulnerable and authentic you are. You know, and I talk about this a lot. Like it's hard for us to take people where we haven't gone ourselves. Right. And I know you've gone to the depths and I know that you have created that pathway, you know, for others to experience that resolve that you were talking about. Mm. Um, so I would love for you to, to share about that, of how you how you cultivate the resolve and even the resilience sometimes in others. Wow. You ask these loaded questions. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, well, I mean, I, I've given it a little bit of thought, and I've so what I'm doing right now is writing a book. I'm I'm writing Red Sea Situations. Um, the first book was Finding Courage in the Deep Seas of Life, and that was book one. Book two is Red Sea Situations: um, A Beautiful Inheritance, and it's going to um, just be kind of like me explaining um, how I developed a relationship um, with my own self and how I did that was I found out how to, you know, like I would ask myself, Jennifer, what's your relationship with rest, right? Because I had none. Uh, What's your relationship with your worth? You know, what's your relationship with confidence? Even the negative stuff, like what's your relationship with shame? And you know, how powerless did it really make you? And I I really sat with that. Um, You know, in chaplaincy, I learned something about that that's called sit with your story. And uh, it's actually a process that we just kind of spend some time with ourselves um, really pondering. And I think I came up with some really good stuff. Um, And I think what um, the resilience that has come out of it is just realizing that, you can develop relationships with yourself, you know, and your confidence. Like you can choose by your own agency, like how you're going to respond to somebody in a very confident manner. Sometimes you have to stop, really think about what you're thinking about. Um, but you can figure out how to navigate something more confidently so that you don't lose your dignity or that if you're going through something very shameful, you know, think about, you know, where was I disempowered and how can I begin to uh, rise up out of this so I don't let that shameful thing, you know, weigh me down for the rest of my life? And who can I process it with? And, you know, and I thought about those things and I began to process it and go through the very hard places in life um, that were painful. But yet once I came through it, like, I mean, I have joy today that I did not have um, 10 and 20 years ago. Oh my God. If you had saw me 10, 20 years ago, I look so much older than how I look right now. I mean, and you know, I'm proud to say I'm 57. Yeah, you are. So um, I am, I'm blessed. I can't complain. And the things that I've gone through, I don't wear that cloak of darkness anymore. You know, I have light and I thank God for that. So if if there are, you know, leaders out there, I mean, you know, people have needs and real needs nowadays. And it's, it it can be heavy in our world. Mm -hmm. Um, And so much is happening. That's so heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, but as leaders, like we have to 
make sure that we're showing up well, you know, for, for people in our care and that being present, that's talked about a lot. So how do you ensure you're showing up well for people in your care? What practices do you have? How, how important is community? Because I know it is. <laughs> you're the best at it. Yeah, you know, community is what I do. <laughs> I think that's why I became a social worker. I just love hearing people talk. I think listening is just the cap of that. Like when you listen to people, you learn so much. And I think leaders definitely have to learn how to listen. Um, and being present is like the pinnacle of that. Um, you have to be able to calm the distractions in your mind, your thoughts, you know, your very being. Um, I think to be truly present with someone, um, you, you have to have an, a sense of self-esteem um, and how you value yourself and how you carry yourself. And I think um, my best experience of that was when I went to South Africa. I'm looking at a picture right now that's right in front of me on the desk of me in South Africa um, with a whole classroom full of children, um, teenagers, actually. And one of the things that I loved about them is just being able to ask them. They they were excited about me coming from America and sharing with them, but I was even more excited that I, one, I was in Africa. <laughs> I had never been there in my entire life that this was where essentially my people were from and that I got to learn all about them. So I was just as eager as they were, but um, I'm trying to come back to your question, Megan. I'm sorry. No, you're Let good. Me. Keep going. <laughs> I forget what you asked me, but um, I think it was um, just basically being able to listen to people, be present through, you know, the the um, engagement of just noticing like, wow, you know, I am so happy to be here. And when you appreciate people and you engage with them, you love on them. I think that brings a whole nother side of them out. And the conversation takes a different turn. You know, it's just more intriguing. Um, and so, um, and when you treat people with just the respect that they deserve, you know, everybody is so deserving and so, so everyone should be appreciated. And I think when you tell people that you appreciate them, um, no matter who it is, your spouse, your children, your friends, um, we do a lot of that gratitude practice. I think even in our mentor, my sister groups, um, and that I have with Megan and a couple other young ladies. And I just love to be able to appreciate one another and to practice that on a regular basis, I think helps you to really be present for people. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so beautiful. I was hoping that you would bring up the, the Africa <laughs> story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> seeing that. Uh, and what so with that, you know, with um, showing up well for people in your care, like you have to refuel as a leader. Like we've walked labyrinths together. Yeah. You know, we've had some of these like spiritual disciplines that really seem to, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I don't know about you, but like refuel us. So what, what are some practical ways that leaders can notice the signs maybe whenever they need to take a step back, you know, like Jesus did and he did go away from the crowds and rest. And mm-hmm. what, what does that look like? Yeah, I think it looks like, um, you know, one of the things I do for self-care is um, I, I, I bring it all the way down. I notice my pacing, um, how I'm pacing myself through life. If things seem to be totally out of control, I get even slower <laughs> in my approach towards life. I start moving things off my table. I um, 
I I get into a quiet place more often and more consistently so I can hear from God what's going on around me. And sometimes you cannot hear that unless you slow down. Um, now, what happens for a lot of people is they get anxious and they speed it up <laughs> and then things get more chaotic. Um, but I've learned to really slow down. And by that, I mean, like, like you said, walking a labyrinth or, <clears throat> you know, choosing to just have quiet time several times a day. You know, I don't do it just one time a day, like after I get off of work and I, I try to prioritize it before I get out on my day. I try to prioritize it at noon and just have a few quiet moments to myself, even if I'm driving in the car and I'm being quiet. Um, but I'm just allowing God to download, you know, any information that I might need. And I think it makes me more sensitive to the Holy Spirit, but also to uh, myself and other people, because I can notice things that I wouldn't normally notice. Mm -hmm. So pacing is huge. Uh, I'm actually going to write about that in my book. I'm, I'm really excited about it because I don't think I share it enough that is actually a practice that I have. I kind of feel like we need to dive just a little bit into this because you are, to me, an expert and you have taught me so much about embracing grief. Mm -hmm. And even, you know, with um, Lucy, you know, going with my grandfather or my grandmother, you know, whenever she was going um, to heaven. And I know there are so many in the workplace and leaders that are either um, ushering their own family, you know, members that they're really close to or others in their life or have employees in their care. So what is something or like what advice do you have for those who are walking with others through that transition process? Yeah. From life? I think the biggest thing is a lot of people say, well, what can I do for you? And a lot of people think it's really about doing, but it isn't. It's about being. And I think that when you can learn how to be with someone without like pressing upon them or ha having to have conversation necessarily, just being, being, um, you know, and let's go sit by the lake, you know, or let's go um, in the prayer room together and just sit. Um, let's go for a walk. and We don't have to say a thing to each other, you know, things like that, or finding a quiet space where you can just be with someone uh, who's grieving and I think that you will find that um, things will get interesting, um, but it, it's like a whole nother way of life or a whole nother wave takes over um, because a lot of people are always want, wanting to do, do, do. And we live in such a do oriented society that I think we tend to forget, hey, what about being? <laughs> and I'm very much a beer. And, and mind you now, my husband goes 100 miles an hour. And so he goes extremely fast. And <laughs> I've learned even how his nature is going one way. I can slow down and go the other. Um, but it helps a lot to just be able to be with someone. And because loneliness is real. And, you know, um, the last thing you want to be is grieving and lonely. And that's so true because... I mean, we could be grieving all sorts of things, mm -hmm, exactly. you know, even even in the workplace. Right. Um, transition of all kinds happen happening. Yeah, yeah. We grieve, you know, friendships. We we grieve, um, you know, um, jobs. We we grieve uh, family members who we haven't seen in a long time, and it's not just by death. 
um, you know, uh, we grieve, you know, like you said, transitions and moving and going into a whole new environment. And when things are new, we're leaving something behind. So, yeah, all those are transitions. Well, I would love to know who inspires you to be a faithful leader. Who has inspired you? Uh, well, believe it or not, Megan Weinkoff. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> You do. I have several women that inspire me, but you are one of them. Um, uh, Donna Branch. And I mean, shout out to all my girls who do that. Tanisha Heron. I have a lot. I just have friendships that I've cultivated and people who have sewn back into me and cultivated, you know, life for me. My husband as well. Um, I'm so glad because he's my best friend. And when I met him, from day one, he's been sowing into me knowledge and wisdom, and I just love that. And it helps to be able to have those relationships. Um, I think people think sometimes with, uh, because I'm a therapist or a counselor, um, a lot of times they refrain from <laughs> being in a relationship with me. They're afraid I might diagnose them too much. <laughs> but, um, and I don't, I just talk to people uh, very truthfully sometimes. And I think that's still kind of scary, um, but it's okay. I think some people can handle it and some can't. And so the relationships that choose me, um, I, I love them, you know, and the people who can be able to kind of stick with it and we all can kind of lead together. We all have different mantles that come together and encourage and, you know, give give each other, you know, um, embrace each other and help each other to grow. And I think that's wonderful. Oh, yes. And that's my favorite part about you. Honestly, I'm like, Jennifer, I'm dealing with this. Can we go deep? <laughs> like, where's this coming from? <laughs> you know, and I love that. Because you're always pointing me back to Jesus, and but really asking the hard questions, mm. and uh, I think that's what you know true friendship is all about. Of that iron sharpening iron that we all need. Yeah, yeah, it's um, wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Well, if you could leave our listeners like with one call to action mm. today, um, and I know you've shared a lot about mm -hmm. uh, embracing grief, but but what would that what would that be? One call to action. Hmm. Well, I think to just to just determine if something um, is 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 um, causing you to struggle in life, because I think I my call is to help people who struggle um, be able to find grace. And if there's one thing you struggle with, um, I think the call to action would just be not to run, um, but to stay present and everything that we've talked about today to be able to face it, um, but don't do it alone. Um, and uh, whether it be a counselor, a friend, um, a minister or somebody um, that you talk to and just say, you know what, I'm having a really hard trouble, you know, with this shame in my life and it won't go away and I don't know what to do. Um, sometimes it's just simple as asking for help. And I think that's the first step to healing, uh, to be able to ask, uh, seek and knock. You know, that's what God tells us to do. Keep asking, seeking and knocking and the doors will be open and, you know, you will find. Uh, so I think the peace is there always, but sometimes we just have to press into it. Love it. I love you. And so thankful for you being on the show today. So how can people connect with you? Because you have a radio show, you have the books, you have all the things happening. Oh, yeah. So my husband and I are at owensgroupservices.com. And um, we have a, a coaching business. Um, 
Um, and I help people, you know, also write books and stuff like that. I, I do, uh, we do a radio show called The Psychology of Everyday Success. Um, and that, um, shows up on the internet radio. And it's every Saturday. Um, actually, you can find us on Facebook if you search Psychology of Everyday Success Groups. And um, But it, it shows up uh, every Saturday at 3 p.m. Um, and uh, mentormysister.org. Um, I do some things for women. And so I like to kind of just help women find resolve and peace and you know deal with struggles. So those are a couple of places. Jennifer at mentormysister.org. That's me. <laughs> Okay, well, we will link all of those in the show notes so people can find you and learn more from you. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm.